Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. It's great to see you, Nicole. How are you doing? I am doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. So last week we were talking, okay, we're recording this mid-May, and you mentioned the bugs weren't ready to hit you yet. Now, coming from Florida, where there's bugs year-round, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit different than, than Ohio. So are you prepared for them to come? Because like, especially we're going to talk about Swedish today and the insects. Oh, I am so prepared. Everybody <laughs> got new fly masks and pretty patterns. We've pulled out the fly boots. No, it, it is that time. It's not bad yet, but it's going to flip a switch and we're going to be there. And, you know, this is the perfect time to talk about sweet itch because this is one of those things you have to stay ahead of if your horse has this issue. Waiting until they're itchy and miserable, it's too late. Oh, it's so Oh, I always just, anytime I saw a horse suffering from allergies, it just, and as an owner, it's frustrating because now you're like, okay, what is it? What's causing it? And there's so many as we, we've, this is a topic that comes up every few months in our podcast, but today, sweet itch, like you hear that term. And for those that don't know it, can you kind of describe exactly what sweet itch is and how it's associated with these insects? So in terms of physical manifestation, these are horses who are just super itchy. I mean, it's it's a great name, super simple. They're very irritable with insects above and beyond kind of that standard irritability. They might chew on themselves, rub on stuff. In extreme cases, you'll see things like hair loss because they're rubbing so much. They can even end up with skin inflammation or sores if they're just being so dramatic about the chewing or rubbing. Some of them are going to lose weight because... <laughs> I mean, if, if you ever had like poison ivy, right, you mm-hmm. are miserable. And you, can't, <laughs> you can't think of anything else um, except for that just terrible itchiness. And that's the same things that the horses, you know, experience. It, it tends to manifest itself in some more specific areas, like along the neck, um, at the top of the tail, legs, face, ears, and then along kind of the underside of their belly. We call it the ventral midline. Those are kind of the classic places you might see just that excess itching, sometimes the skin irritation and sores. And what's ultimately happening is they have a very specific type of allergy. And what they're allergic to is proteins in the saliva of biting midges, gnats, and mosquitoes. So the kind of official names are seasonal equine dermatitis or equine insect bite hypersensitivity. So the reason that they're so itchy beyond the normal horse is because they have a much larger response. Like no one wants to be bit by mosquitoes, right? But these horses have a much bigger response to that, that basically their immune system goes into hyperdrive and they have this allergic reaction to insect bites. I must feel like I have it sometimes with mosquitoes. Like I really get itchy. It's like really drives me crazy. I'm not going to lie. Talking about this is making me itchy. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like, oh, my brain's like, oh, you got, oh, okay. Now, again, we've talked about so many different allergies on this podcast because there are so many that these poor horses can be exposed to. How does this differ? I mean, you talked about the proteins in the bite, but you know, how would this differ from, like I say, a food allergy or some of the others that we've talked about? 
This is actually the number one allergy that afflicts horses. If you kind of look at how these are broken down and that kind of makes sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. bugs or something that they are so exposed to, and it's very hard to remove that exposure. So once they're hypersensitized, they experience it over and over and the symptoms of it tend to be very obvious. So it makes sense that this would be the main type of allergy that horses are diagnosed with. And it's one of those things that, you know, oftentimes when we look at allergies, you know, what is it? Is it food? Is it this? Is it that? A lot of times they show up in the spring and early summer and it's because of this bug pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes we might chase other directions and, you know, this is ultimately what it is. Now, is there any other way? I mean, Because I'm also thinking we we covered seasonal allergies, right? So right now in the spring, pollen in the air, all those other things, bugs start coming. Is there any way we can differentiate or test to tell the difference between, say, a seasonal allergy and sweet itch? Good question. So they've tried different tests. Um, You know, one of the things you can do is they extract the actual proteins that those midges produce in their saliva and they inject them under the skin. This can be a help for test for one type of sweet itch, but not the other. So, you know, just to make life complicated, horses can have different types of sweet itch. So type one, they have this, this immediate reaction with hives. So in that case, injecting that extract under their skin, you'd be able to positively identify that type one dermatitis. Type four, on the other hand, is interesting because they have a delayed reaction. So you actually don't have that high, that hypersensitivity of the skin reaction until 24 to 48 hours later. So that kind of muddies up the diagnostic process. Life would be so, so simple if you could just take a blood test, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is something that's been looked into. So what you are specifically measuring for is IgE immunoglobulin E. And blood tests measure circulating levels of IgE, but you actually need to know skin levels of IgE. And studies have shown that the skin levels and blood test levels oftentimes don't match. So even though they've tried developing a blood test, what they ultimately determine is that's not definitive. So do have a bit of a diagnostic option. And many horses who have sweet itch will have both type one and type four, but it is possible you could miss a diagnosis of sweet itch with that injecting the midge extract under the skin. I would honestly say more typically, these are diagnosed based on clinical signs. So the itching, the specific areas of the body, oftentimes we're going to prescribe treatment based on that and not go to that step of additional diagnostic testing. Right, right. And and like always, as always, you know, always discuss this with your veterinarian uh, so they can do that, uh, especially with clinical signs. And then they they can give medications to lessen the symptoms and reduce symptoms. But you can't really just treat your way out of this, right? It, It really comes down to management. Yeah, unfortunately, it is because they're constantly exposed. So in severe cases, they might prescribe topical or systemic medications. Those are kind of designed to like bring down the immediate itching to let you then put multiple different management strategies in place. And ultimately, the goal is to prevent to the best of our ability, 
exposure to bugs, not the easiest thing in the world for these horses. No, no, it's not easy. Like popping a, you know, it's, it's not like popping one of our allergy pills and just being like, okay, you know, the horse is fine. It's actually, it's pretty intense management. So can you talk about some of this? Because it is a long list, but what are just some of the general ones? Like you already mentioned some of it. You've already got fly masks and some things um, for some of your babies, but take that a step further. What can owners do, you know, especially when they suffer from sweet itch? Yeah, we can kind of split this into a couple different categories. Uh, Barriers. So that would be your fly mask, your fly boots, your fly sheets. All of those things are designed to minimize basically the horse's skin exposure to flying, biting bugs. That is one option. Certain fly sprays, those with permethrin in them, are effective to a certain degree against these. What you find is you have to have a lot of reapplication. So you can fly spray the horse itself. The other thing you can actually do is install a barn fly spray system. So it basically fogs your barn on a set interval that can decrease the bug pressure. And then thinking about kind of more um, physical strategies. So one would be let's not turn the horses out during really high pressure bug time. So really early in the morning and at dusk, doing your best to decrease opportunities for bugs to proliferate. So because we know mosquitoes are one of those, you know, avoid standing water, clean out water troughs, some of that stuff. A lot of times what ends up happening is the horses are kept inside during times of high bug pressure And then you use things like fans. And then I've even seen stables with like super fine screens to try to prevent the bugs from coming into the barn. So all of those are viable options. A lot of times you have to do multiple interventions. Just one of those is unlikely to help. And kind of as we mentioned in the very beginning of the podcast, if you know your horse has sweet itch, you have to put those in place before it happens because basically once they're all itchy and miserable, they don't want to wear a fly sheet and, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. No, no. Especially like, you know, I'm just thinking that the humidity of the South, you know, even the North, I mean, it gets humid up where you're at too in the summer. So, you know, them wearing that all the time can be problematic. Well, here's a different, here's a different take because I mean, we, you know, obviously we're a nutrition podcast and there is evidence that diet can help. So are there yes. things like, I I mean, and, and, and I'm not talking about just the nutrients. I'm also thinking about like fly control, you know, feeding a fly control. Are all these things, can they help? Okay, great question. Two, we'll do two for different parts. We'll start with fly control. So there are some feed through fly control options. Uh, Clarify, for example, uh, Diflubenzeron. It is a ingredient that is added to a supplement or a feed that goes through the horse and it's in the manure and it prevents flies that develop in manure from completing their life cycle. Unfortunately, midges, gnats, and mosquitoes, they they don't complete their life cycle in manure. So Mm -hmm. it's not a bad idea to use fly control just from the standpoint of keeping your fly pressure low if a horse is already irritated by sweet itch, more flies are just going to irritate them more. more yeah. but, un- but unfortunately, those fly control products simply don't target the specific type of biting insects that these horses are allergic to. Mm-hmm. So not a bad idea, but not a silver bullet. 
Now, the other thing you touched upon is that there is some research that diets that are high in omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial in reducing allergic inflammation. Um, And there's even been specific research on horses with Swedish having a reduction in symptoms when they're fed these Mm omega-3 fatty acid supplements because they have anti-inflammatory properties that specifically target those mechanisms that once the horse has that allergic reaction, it really inflames the skin itself. Um, So it's helpful from that perspective that we can do that from a dietary standpoint to reduce allergic inflammation without doing all of the other management strategies. That alone probably doesn't fix the problem, but it is 100% something that can help keep the horse more comfortable. Yeah, that was that was interesting research reading that. Yeah, that the omega threes they're so, they're so amazing. I loved that we we covered that just a few weeks back, and you know some of the work that uh, my good friend Dr. Angie Atkin did with omega threes. It's just it, it's just a great nutrient. So yeah. definitely check that. Yeah, definitely check that podcast out if you haven't on the omega fatty acids. And I guess I will give our podcast listeners a little. Um, special information. So there are a lot of omega-3 fatty acid supplements. Grass Mm -hmm. is a great source of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have Natural Remedy, which is a DHA supplement. But about this time the podcast comes out, you will start seeing um, some information on our new oil, which is a high Mm -hmm. omega-3 oil. So that'd be another way we can deliver those that if you follow our Facebook and things like those, you will be introduced to the Tribute Wholesome Blends Omega Plus Oil. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. so an, another that. tool in the toolbox. Yes, yeah, always, always. They are. They're. It, it's. It's like an amazing, wonderful nutrient uh, that a lot of research has shown that it's beneficial in many areas. It, quick question before we get to something like final tips: stress. These horses are under a tremendous amount of stress. Can you just give some tips on that? On you know maybe a dietary perspective, you know management. There's a million things we can do, but. You know, you know, don't want them to get so stressed that they get colic or upset stomach, all of those things that we've talked about. What are just some quick tips to reduce stress in these horses suffering from sweet itch? Yeah, good question. So I'd say the number one thing is just reducing that bug pressure. If you observe these horses, it's when they're itchy and uncomfortable that they're the most highly stressed. On the flip side, of course, we do need to be cognizant of just general management. It can be really challenging if everyone else is supposed to be out in the pasture and you stick this one horse in a screen stall with a fan. So kind of being mindful of that. And then, of course, recognizing when horses are stressed, just in general, all of their nutrient requirements go up. And yeah, there are like certain nutrients that you like get a lot of focus on, but in general, all of them go up. So just making sure they're on a really good plane of nutrition. And that's going to be, you know, am I feeding at least the minimum recommended rate of the concentrate that makes sense for my horse, things like Mm -hmm. that can just make sure that nutrient cup is full. So when they experience that stress, it doesn't get drawn down and they kind of have subsequent issues because of nutritional subclinical deficiencies that occur due to that stress. And then, you know, supporting digestive health, all of those good things that we've talked about in lots of podcasts. It's a good question. And I think it really highlights the fact it's all interconnected, which makes horses really cool and really challenging um, because we really have to take a step back and 
take a multifactorial approach to just ensuring that we're doing the best that we can to support their health and wellness. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, all of our friends, it, it, we do large animal nutrition and horses differ from say beef cattle or dairy cattle. Like we're just always swatting away flies. <laughs> like it just seems like with our horses, things that, uh, you know, affect, affect their overall health. It's just, it's just a lot. Any final tips on sweet itch? I think we have, I, I think we have pretty well covered it. Um, I would say this is the time to be thinking about it. If the horse mm-hmm. has experienced it in the past, just staying ahead of it is absolutely the best strategy that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, be sure to follow us on, on social media, you know, like Nicole said on Facebook, you can follow us on Facebook. You get the links to the, these topics, the articles that we're producing and you get to look ahead. Like you said, the, uh, the omega three fatty acid supplement on its way by the time this airs in, in uh, the end of May. Thank you so much for listening. I, if you haven't yet, I'm just asking if you could go to iTunes, uh, give us a five-star review. That would be very beneficial. Helps our circulation, gets this information out more. I mean, Nicole and I do this because you know we, we just love horses. That's why we've dedicated our lives to the study of them, to help them. So thank you for listening, and uh, thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Chris.